Amen. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, Ben, for leading us in worship. Uh, appreciated that song, uh, the, the worship set this morning as it spoke of God's love and that we can kind of embrace that. And that's my hope and desire this morning that we can kind of embrace the love that, embrace the love that God has for us. My name is Greg Peterson, I'm the executive pastor here, and I want to welcome those that are listening online, maybe with the snow, or there might be a few more listening online here this morning, those listening to the podcast later, we want to welcome you, and thank you for listening in that way. Well, do you ever remember a time when you'd lost something? When you put something where you thought you remembered where it was, and you went to go for it, and it wasn't there, and you'd lost it. And remember that feeling that kind of comes... That, that anxiety that rises up within you that, oh no, where is it? I put it here, it's not there anymore, what's going to happen? And there's this sinking uh, in your stomach of like anxiety that just rises when we lose something of value. Maybe um, it was uh, in school with homework. You worked all night long writing that paper, typing that paper up, getting that ready to go. Um, you know, you, it was due a long time. I mean, it was given a long time ago, but you waited till the last minute right, and did it, worked all, you finally got to class, you got there, you get out your backpack, trapper keeper for those in reference, but you got that out, and it wasn't there, like, you knew that you put it somewhere, and it wasn't there, and it's due today, and you know that it was a major assignment, your grade is going to be affected by not having it, and you're like, did my dog eat my homework, like, what happened, because I know I put it there, it's not there, And there's that fear, and when we have value to something and we lose it, there's anxiety that rises up within us. Maybe you've misplaced your car sometime. Ever ever lost your car, you know? Guys, I I do this too often, all right? I do. I'm getting older, yes, but I, guys, I don't do this where I should do this. Like, I'm generally okay in, like, a large, like, I can go to the Eagles game, go out, and generally find about where my car is, at least close enough that the clicker that sets the alarm off that you can hear it, right? But generally in big areas, I'm, I'm okay. I, I struggle with this, guys. This is kind of a shameful admitment, admitting this here. Um, I struggle this here at church. During the week, when no one else is here, <laughs> right? Like, whoa, you need to get that checked out, right? No, I normally park up here in the, the carport because it's nice if it's raining or whatever, it's right here, and I normally park here. But sometimes if I'm working on a project throughout the building or something like that and I have stuff, I'll come in a different entrance. Uh, but then I'll do that, and then I'll go to my office, work the rest of the day, and then I come back up out of habit to the carport, and my car is gone. Someone stole my car. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to Honestly, my car is getting a little bit older. It probably should be replaced soon. There's like, yeah, and I'm like, eh, you know, maybe somebody needed it more than me. You know, that good line, you know, when we lose something or get stolen. Um, but if it's my motorcycle that I rode that day, the value changes to me. The value and the, the urgency of like, oh, no, that feeling of anxiety that changes because the value of what I assigned to that has changed and that de- uh, determines my response and how I respond. Maybe, like us, you have some furry animals in your home that are designed to be indoors. And if they were to get outdoors or to get lost, depending your value of the animal, 
would change how you respond and, and determine that, the, you know, if there's danger around, you have hawks in the area maybe or something, but, you know, the, the, if it's lost, the value of the animal will change. Now, I can tell you for our household, our uh, daughter Lauren moved out, it's just Tina and I now, for our household, if this would happen, this is uh, Molly and Mia, a uh, fin you never see. It's a cat that I think we have. It comes when we need to feed it. But Molly and Mia are there all the time. But if one of them were to get out, the difference of how we would respond differs in our household. One of us would maybe open the door once in a while and call a name. You know, if it comes back, it comes back. If not, God's will, circle of life, you know, other people might find it, you know, hawks need to eat, foxes need to eat. I mean, it's, it's just circle of life, right? The value is different for a different person in our household. That if this were to happen, we would not eat until that animal is found. There would be a substantial cash award offered immediately for anyone. We would not eat, we would not sleep, we would not do anything until that lost animal is returned back home. And if we're able to find a couple other stray animals in our searching, we could bring them too, and that would be a win, a greater win even so. But value, when you have value and you have a sense of urgency and uncertainty and danger, that affects how we respond, the urgency of our response, how much we, we get into needing to just drop everything. The value, the danger equals our response. Have you ever taken a toddler shopping? You have about 37 seconds till they get bored and they think it's fun to play hide-and-go-seek in the clothes racks. And this is a fun game. They're bored. It's not so fun if you're the parent that just lost your kid. And you're, you call out their name, and because they're playing a game, they don't answer because they don't understand the danger that could be around that situation. So they don't answer, and your anxiety grows. Even if the kid's been getting on your nerves all day long, you all of a sudden shift into a total different uh, angle in a different mode, and tunnel vision begins to set in. There is, there's just nothing else matters at this moment. I need to find my child because the value is great. The potential for danger with strangers or whatever could happen. The potential is high, so my urgency is high, and my tunnel vision sets in, and I'm not going to do anything until I find resolution in that place. So value plus danger, potential danger, equals our response, how much we respond. Jesus spent a lot of time when he was here talking with his disciples about value, about what is important. And I think it's not unlike uh, today. There was a lot of things that they valued naturally. If you had money, if you had wealth, you had stature, you had value. There are things that you just ha were valuable and people that weren't quite as much valuable, that they didn't bring as much to society, so they weren't as valuable. They were sick or they were, you know, weren't able to be even around other people. But Jesus spent a lot of time teaching the, that the kingdom of God is different. 
that the kingdom of God values things differently and sees things in a different way. He was healing people on the Sabbath. He was saying that people and their, their wellness is even more important than obeying a religious law or religious decree that was actually even man-made. It was even added on to. But he spent time just saying how much people were important over religion. The children, when they would come to him, and he, the disciples were like, no, nah, he's too busy. And he's like, no, let the children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He talked about if you're going to have a party, don't just invite the um, you know, the people that can pay you back, the people that, you know, make you look good to the party, but invite the poor, the people that can't pay you back. Invite them, have value there. He welcomed sinners. He ate with them. He spent time with them. He also talked a lot about, especially in the context of what we're going to be looking at this morning, he talked a lot about the urgency of things as well. Following the, the parable that we're going to be talking about, he talks about the loss coins about the woman who had 10 coins she lost one and she lit a lamp she swept the house she did not stop until she found that one coin and also about the lost son and about this father's heart who is there waiting and running to to see his lost son come home and be returned and this urgency so right in the middle of this nestled in the middle of this is this parable of the lost sheep and if you grew up in church as many of you have um you know this story, right? This is something that you're taught from little on up. You probably remember the hymn, there were 90 of nine that safely lay, like it's like 25 stanzas long, and like it's longer than the, the parable itself. But, you know, it's, it's a great hymn, just telling the story about this lost sheep. Um, so Jesus is here, he's talking about value, he's talking about urgency. And our text here this morning, I'm going to read it out of Luke um, 15. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. This morning I'd like to make several observations. Number one, we are the sheep in this story and we are designed to be together. We are designed to be cared for. We're designed to be loved. And you might not like the idea that you're the sheep. All throughout Scripture, we're compared to the sheep. And it's like, you know, we need somebody else. The sheep need somebody else. The sheep need someone to lead them, guide them. On their own, they're, they're, they just get themselves in trouble. They perish, actually. But all through Scripture, we are the sheep. You might not like it, but it's the truth. So you can start with that. We are the sheep, and we're designed to be together. We are designed to be cared for. We're designed to be fed. We're designed to be led. We're designed to be protected. That's why in moments when we're not protected, we know that something's wrong, but we are designed to be loved. and We're designed to be together. But at the same time that we're designed for that, there's something within us that just is prone to wander. There's something in us that just in our human nature that we just desire to be on our own. We don't need other people. They slow us up. The church is messy. The church is just messy with people. I can, God and I got this figured out. We can do this alone. We're designed to just 
want to be by ourselves, want to be like, you know what, God, I got this. I can, I can, I can earn enough that I, I think I'm safe now, Lord. I don't need you to provide. I don't need you to be my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. There's something in us that is just, we are naturally, it's in our human nature, it's in our sinful nature that we are just prone to wander. And this is not new, and if you're feeling that today, you're not alone. Because it's naturally in us. Paul himself, who, who influenced half of the writings in the New Testament, Paul himself, who Acts describes as God doing miraculous, wild and crazy things through this guy, that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that touched Paul were taken to the, the sick, and they were healed. This is a man who followed after God, but even him himself struggled with and said, you know, there are things that I want to do and I just don't do. And there are things I know I should do, but I don't do. There are things that I hate, and those are the things I do. They're just prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love, right? Remember that song as well, written in the 1700s by a young 22-year-old pastor who then 50 years later, they took a, a secular song and put it to it, and we know it has come thou fount of many blessings, but prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. There's something in all of us that are like that lost sheep. That's just prone to say, I got this. Prone to leave what we are designed for as sheep. We are prone to wander, prone to walk away. And one one definition of sin is anything that seeks independence from God. Anything that says, you know what, God, I don't need you. I don't need your people. I, don't, I, I got this. There's something in all of us that has that desire. James 1 says it this way, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. This idea of being lost is not just a, an original text. It wasn't just a, oh, I'm confused where I'm at. I can find my way back. This, this word lost means perish. It means that without any other influence, death is imminent. Death will come. There is no return. It's not simply just, oh, I'm misplaced. It is lost. It's coming to the end of ourselves, kind of like the prodigal son, coming to the end of ourselves where we realize that without God, we are nothing, that we are lost. On our own resources, this is not going to work. And we are all prone to this wandering prone to leaving the God we love and we're, it's a natural thing and again you're not alone if you struggle with this. We all do at some point. But here is where the story shifts. In the midst of our wandering, in the midst of us wanting to leave, we are loved. It's amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. We don't deserve it, but we are loved because we are His. We are pursued, we are rescued, and we're even rejoiced over because a lost sheep doesn't need to be scolded. It needs to be rescued. 
And that is the heart of our Father. That is the heart of God with each and one of you. Those listening online. God loves us even as we wander. Even in those times where we wander away, God's love reaches us. Now the other sheep, they have a choice in the matter of how to view this love that is shown or the actions of the shepherd. They can say, well, why, why did the shepherd leave all of us? There's 99 of us here. There's one that chose to leave. Why, why didn't he just send hired help? Why didn't he just send someone else? Why did he go and leave us here? And worse yet, when he comes back, he rejoices. No, there's something else. Like, no, there should be consequences, right? There should be, you know, it's not fair. They left and now we're rejoicing over the fact that he had to go out, risk his, you know, potentially his life, put himself in danger, and, and now we're rejoicing over this. So that could be the attitude of the sheep, or the sheep could, and I believe should, and we should have this attitude that we all matter to him. That this is the heart of our Father, is that he would go and he would rescue he would pursue rescue and restore and rejoice over. This is the heart of our God because we know that maybe sometime and when we all stray, when we all leave the pen to some degree, we have a heart, we have a God whose heart is to love us, to pursue us, to rescue us, to rejoice over us. Guys, it is extremely critical and foundation that we as those who, who say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that we understand how much we are loved by God. How much He loves us and how He loves us. How perfect He loves us. It might be hard for those of us that grew up in the church because we haven't maybe strayed as far from the pen as what others have. And it's sometimes hard to even fathom this love of God. Maybe maybe we can see this in, in some other people and like, oh, well, I know so-and-so, and wow, they were really bad and God brought them back. And, and we can rejoice in that and that is good. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we really sit and think and we know what our hearts are capable of without God, without the love of God, we know that what our natural tendencies lead us towards, we can identify that we're not too far off from that and that we need a Heavenly Father who loves us in this way. It's so critical and foundational. Uh, and this morning I would argue it's, it, it needs to be the foundation of how we live our lives um, it is so critical that we understand how we, much we are loved by our Father in a perfect way. So what can we learn from our good friend, the lost sheep? I believe that it is so critical and foundational again that we understand this, that we are a loved people because we're a loved people love people. It's a natural byproduct. When we are loved people, we will love people well. Love reframes the way that we see those around us. It, it changes the way that we act around people and interact with people. 
when we understand that we too have a heart that is prone to wander, we're less judgmental. We're willing to extend grace because we know that the heart of the Father is. And we know what it's like to be loved perfectly. This letter D is important. For all you Wordle friends out there, I did this on purpose. If you don't know what Wordle is, you're not missing anything in life. But Wordle, you have like, you have like it's five letter words and you have, one comes out every new day and you guess them and it tells you if it's the right letter, not the right letter. And you know, if it's yellow, it's the right letter, not in the right place. But if it's green, it means you got the right letter and it's in the right spot. And we need this foundation as believers as well. We need to act and move out of the fact that we are loved the way that we are loved in order to love people well. Love reframes the value we see in others because so many, it's so natural for us to love the way that we received love from probably our parents mainly. And that's how we see God, or we, we see love the way that it's been done in a human way, and whether it even under perfect intentions, it's still flawed under a human way, and love can become this conditional thing. If you do the right things, then I will love you. Love can become judgmental. It can be like, well, you're not quite deserving yet, or I think you might be, or maybe you're not, or you know, it's, there's this judgment that's involved in a human kind of love when we move outside of being loved the way that God loves us. It can become guilt-driven. It can lead to an empty religion. And it's repulsive. And, and people see right through it. And you might have great intentions of reaching people and showing love. But if we love out of our humanness, it's repulsive because they know that there's strings attached. But if we loved people the way that we are loved by our Heavenly Father, a shepherd who pursues, a shepherd who restores, rescues, a shepherd who rejoices over us, it becomes such a natural byproduct to love others that are around us, to love those around us. Guys, we've made a lot of changes in the last two years. We've been through a lot. I even hate to say the word COVID. Anyone heard of it? It has shifted a ton of just relationships, um, just how we did church. There's a lot of sacrifices were made, a lot of personal sacrifices made, a lot of preferences that were laid down and and, you know, I'm not going to say we did everything right and, you know, the data's all over the place, whatever. You know, I, I'm not, you know, we're not here for that. But I, I am, I think as I reflect now, as we're hopefully moving out of it, right, please? Um, as I reflect back, I, I, I think this, uh, I, I'm happy or in, my, in how I've seen others around me, and especially this church, be willing to lay personal preferences aside for the sake of loving other people around them, for the potential of, well, if they get sick or if they spread it, and even though, you know what, you know, I'm not gonna get into all the, which side are you on and everything, but the, regardless, we all acted in ways that we thought we did not want to harm others around us. And we were willing to do 
things that we wouldn't, didn't want to do. We were willing to not meet together physically, even though we wanted to. There were relationships that were strained that we didn't want to have break, but they did. There's a lot of personal um, sacrifices made during these last two years as a church, and we recognize that, we see that. And one thing is I look back and I, I, I kind of like, okay, God, what are you showing us? What are you teaching us as a church? Is, 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 am, I, am I willing to do the same thing for the lost who are around me? Am I willing to adjust my preferences and hold them as empty-handed or open-handed for the people that are lost around me? Because for one thing we do know is that all of us are going to die at some point. All of us are going to pass on at some point. We know that. It's a fact. And we believe there's eternity. As Christians, we believe there's eternity at stake. That is eternity with God and eternity without God. And if people around us die without knowing God, there's, there's a weight of that consequence and that decision. So I wonder if I'm willing to change that, if I'm willing to look at it through that same lens. Because I believe that if we allow love, God's love, to reframe the value that we have for other people, to have that set the value that we have for people, to allow us to see people as God sees them. And, uh, and when we then weigh in the weight of eternal decisions and eternal consequences for those decisions, I believe that naturally will yield an urgency and a focus and will put our priorities as a church, as individuals, in proper perspective in a proper place, when we reframe, when we see how much God loves those around us, when we just address the reality of the weight of eternal decisions, let that set our urgency and how we respond to those around us, how we love those around us. So this week, I challenge you to take some time to sit in God's love for you. We are so task-oriented that we run by this way too fast, too quickly. My challenge to you, as people of Lancaster County, work ethic, is to sit and reflect on God's love for you. Maybe journal some things down. Maybe write some things down of how you've seen God's faithfulness in your past or how you've seen God's faithfulness and love shown to you. Or maybe how you have seen it for somebody else that you knew that was far from God and came back and just grateful for his love. But I challenge you to take some time and sit and think and reflect on God's love for you. Because I think everything else comes as a natural byproduct from that. I think our desire to share God's love, it comes as a natural product, byproduct of us understanding and truly understanding the love that God has for us and for those around us. Allow that love to reframe the value that we see in people around us. Weigh out the eternal consequences and let 
focus become a proper priority. Take some time this week. Sit in God's love for you and watch it transform the world around you, the people you interact with. Watch it transform. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your unconditional love for us, your pursuing love for us, your love that is just without abandonment, like you just, you, you go after us, you rescue us from things that we get ourselves into, messes that we get ourselves into, you rescue us. And I thank you that you are a God that rejoices over us in those times that you rejoice and we are reunited with you. God, help us to love well. Help us to love those around us well and to, to just weigh in the circumstances and the, the reality of eternal uh, perspective. But let us do it out of love that we've received from you, a love like you love, the way that we are loved by you. Thank you for this time here today. Thank you for this time that we can spend being reminded of how much you love us, how much you pursue us, how much you rescue us, and how you rejoice 